Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Connor O'Gara. Christmas is over, but second Christmas is here. SEC Bowl season is upon us. Games starting today. Before we get to all that, how's your Christmas? It was awesome. I got a lot of good stuff. You got all the swag. Did you get Orange Bowl tickets sent to the right address? They are being delivered. They're out for delivery right now. They have gone to three different cities in Metro Atlanta, which seems inefficient at best, but I'm excited. Um, Patty Sue and uh, and Russell really killed it this year. Um, Cheek, first off, she had a good set for her Christmas Eve uh, service, which was great. Nice. But uh, I got a Red Rider BB gun, which was the fiance said I'm not allowed to have in the house, which is probably a good move on her part. That movie's um, the worst, by the way. It, dude, it's so overrated. I'm glad that the whole world decided that like that was that was true this year. Yeah, people piggybacked on my tweet. Uh, sick brag. I think I got like 350 <laughs> likes tweeting uh, that if Christmas Story is your favorite Christmas movie, do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Yeah. Go directly to jail. Um, How was your Christmas? Christmas was good. Christmas was. Uh, I'm in Indianapolis currently right now, so I apologize um, if, if there's. I've had my wife has been sick all week, so she's been coughing and all that stuff. So if you hear like somewhere in the background, uh, there's three dogs here. There's three cats. Um, there's yeah. There's a whole bunch of chaos, and they they like to bark. So I apologize if anybody hears that. But Christmas was really good. It was nice to be able to spend it with the in-laws. Uh, been here all week. Midwest is really cold, but it's like 45 today, so I'm just going to shut up about it. What was the craziest thing you heard during Christmas? And I have a point for this. The craziest thing I heard? Like the best thing from like an in, like a, a family member that you're like, well, yeah, that's, now it's Christmas. That's, you know, I, I don't have anything that comes off the top of my head. I, I should, that, that probably just shows you that I haven't been listening close enough to what, <laughs> what people have been saying, but... Why don't, why don't you take the lead on that? My stepdad said, we were sitting there on Christmas Eve. I pull in. And he's awesome. He, he cracks me up. And he goes, uh, I, there was some commercial on about it. It's like, it was, it was The Office when, when Daryl's daughter comes in to sit on Santa's lap. And he's like, you sure you don't want a pony? You want a horse? And, and she's like, yeah. And he's like, he looks at me and he goes, you get a horse anywhere. And I was like, what's that? Go on. Because I'm, I'm in for it. And uh, I'm here for it. And he was like, Horses are like pianos. Nobody, nobody wants them after they get them. You can get a horse almost anywhere for free. And I was like, <laughs> uh, awesome. not true, not true. Fun so. fact. Fun fact. I watched uh, Sea Biscuit last night. You cannot get a horse just anywhere. Watch the whole movie, start to finish, all three right. hours of it. Uh, also, other fun fact. I uh, shoveled horse poop this week because Gross. my mother-in-law has three horses. So, as somebody who you know has seen up close. Horses are very big creatures, and no, not everybody yep. can can just have them. But that is circle a, of life. <laughs> that's a fire take. We have uh, a bunch of SEC bowl preview stuff that we're going to get to today. We've got an interview with our good friend, Peach Bowl CEO and President Gary Stoken. It was a lot of fun having him on, as we often do before bowl season, before the season starts with the kickoff game. Uh, we we talked through some UCF. Uh, stuff with him and just in terms of how the Florida Michigan matchup was set up all that we have SEC bowl superlatives we're going to get to as well as a couple big headlines in college football before we do that as you guys know it's ticket city time we are excited to be partnering with them once again as you know they are a leader in the ticket space especially for college football fans getting tickets for college football games could not be easier when using ticket city and they're going to get you the best prices 
All you're gonna do, you're gonna use that promo code that we give you each and every week. That is CMBF10. You're gonna get 10% off. That's CMBF10. 10% off all of your tickets right now, whether it's for a bowl game, maybe you wanna go see a little SEC basketball, maybe you wanna go to a concert, whatever you wanna do. Just make sure that you are doing so on TicketCity.com. Actually, fun little fact here. So uh, the folks over at Ticket uh, Ticket IQ uh, sent me an email last week that apparently Orange Bowl tickets are down 76% since that matchup was set. Yeah, they and are. Tickets last week were as low as 57 bucks. And yeah. to me, I, that's crazy because you have two diehard fan bases and maybe Bama fans are getting a little bit confident, double-digit favorites, saving for the national championship. Maybe there's some of that there, but that that to me is was was stunning to, to see that that they had dropped so much since the matchup. Was I was second. shocked. It's a great matchup. I mean, well, yeah, I agree with that. I think it's the thing with the thing with one Bama fans could be awful when it comes to travel, and I know they tra- they they travel a lot and all that kind of stuff. And Bama fans could get mad. Hear me out. It's there can be awful when it's like a semifinal matchup. It's like, well, we're just gonna save our money for the national championship. If you think about it, if it's Bama fans, if you're a fan that you're going to both. Like, luckily, I've got a hookup for both. Because otherwise, if you're talking about going to total opposite ends of the country. Yeah, Miami and San Francisco are not close. No, not not at all. Not in culture, not in distance. <laughs> <laughs> They're not at all. So it's like, like I was talking to my buddy, and I was like, he's like, did you get tickets? And I was like, yeah, because I found tickets. I'm in the upper, you're going to like this. I'm in the upper deck, which is fine. Front row, upper deck. Um, cause basically Patty Sue was like, fine, I'll buy you orange bowl tickets for Christmas if Patty you want, Sue. but she's like, I'm not doing any research. I'm not going out of my way to find these at all. And I was like, okay. So I got front row tickets in the orange bowl in the no alcohol section. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I found them for under 200 bucks. And so I'm talking to one of my buddies and I was like, are you going to go? And he was like, no, cause you gotta get a flight. You gotta get a hotel and, and all that kind of stuff. It's just, it's a whole, it's a real big mess. Yeah, you're so, driving down from Atlanta because you're a psychopath. I'm an idiot, yeah. That's why. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, it's awesome. I get to go to the game. But, I, I, but it really, I understand, I guess, why. Because, again, if you're going, it's, it's, we talk about this whole playoff thing, and we're not going to get into the expansion mode or, and talk about that. But this is one of the negatives of it. If you're going to try, if you really are a diehard fan, like, I want to go to both games, that's really difficult to go from Miami all the way to San Francisco in a 10-day stretch. Let's talk about the Orange Bowl because I think a lot of the the headlines this week have been about the health of these two quarterbacks, this matchup that we've been so excited to see, Tua against Kyler. These these guys who have sort of, I don't want to say transcended the sport, but in in certain ways they have in some of the numbers that they've put up and the the efficiency and all that. But we know from what Tua has said, we knew that coming off of the SEC championship injury that he was going to basically be banged up leading up to this game he says that he's going to be 100 percent by saturday that is those are his words not necessarily you know we'll, we'll wait and see on that but maybe the more interesting thing was kyler murray missed his media availability on wednesday morning and he told an oklahoma sid about it on tuesday night so this wasn't like a hangover thing or anything like that um I, people kind of flash back to baker mayfield last year when he missed yeah. he missed two events for for the rose bowl leading up to that and I think that a lot of people were like, man, what's, you know, what's the deal? Is, you know, is Kyler Murray going to be a full strength? My takeaway was, and I, I wondered because you know, I'm a skeptic and it was kind of look at stuff like this with, with a little bit of a question mark. 
Is this just a little gamesmanship from Lincoln Riley? Is that a yep. crazy thought? <laughs> no, it's not a crazy thought. And I'll tell you why. If you don't think that's true, maybe maybe old Chris is being cynical again, or maybe Uncle Chris is is just getting all geared up and, and lashing out irrationally at a, at a different fan base. I don't know. Those things could be happening. However, <laughs> it does say something to me that they're like, oh, by the way, Kyler's out. We brought our kicker. What? Yeah. Slap in the face. Just take off your glove and slap us in the face. That's a Three Musketeers reference. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. You know, because you know, we, we don't know necessarily the the extent of the illness, and and obviously, if you have a sore throat or something like that, and speaking to the media for an hour and answering a bunch of questions, like, all right, I'm not going to get into the the semantics of of what constitutes as sick and what's not sick, but it is at least noteworthy in that this card is being played, and it's something that maybe Lincoln Riley is just trying to. I don't want to say knock his quarterback down a peg, but maybe he's just trying to do whatever he can to say to Alabama, like, listen, I know Alabama's all juiced up after Kyler wins the Heisman and Tua doesn't, and he's trying to do whatever he can to make them think that this this quarterback who has had this unbelievable year is not going to be at 100%. And I, I don't know what the, what the illness is or anything like that, so I'm not going to speak on, on that. But It's got the Miami flu. <laughs> I'll say this. I'll be surprised if we see Kyler at less than 100% for this game. Yeah, he's fine. I don't want to hear about it at all. He got a, <laughs> he got a head cold? Shut up. I mean, like, I, I'm, I'm not doubting that he got sick, but, like, from what? Like, you don't, I don't, don't, don't get me started. I'm upset. And, and I'll say this, like, to anybody who's saying, like, like, oh, dear, Kyler, like, not, you know, not show up to media availability. Like, we're journalists, or at least we pretend to be on TV. You are, yeah. Um... <laughs> What I, you know, I don't, I don't really buy into the belief that like he's got an obligation to be there. He should be there no matter what. Ben. It's like, come on, like the guy's done the the Heisman circuit. He's been available for everybody. Yeah. Like, what, like what questions? That always cracks me up too because it's like I, I, I feel like it takes me back to remember the movie Sixty One. Oh, with like, Roger Maris, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they, they were asking Roger Maris like all these questions. And they're trying to figure out like you know, I, you know, like, we got a job to do. Like you can't, like you know, give him a break. Blah blah. blah. Like. What questions do you think he's going to answer as like a 20-year-old kid? Like what, what questions is Lincoln Riley going to let him answer? Same with Tua. Tua shouldn't have been there. I think that's what Bama fans are upset about. Like, well, if Tua had to go. Give me a break. Yeah, that's, who cares? But so what Tua's I. a better man. We all know that now. That's, that's, what we, <laughs> that's what we wanted to know going in. That's what we figured out. And that is your totally unbiased take. Yeah, um, Tua's tough. What, what I, I'd be surprised, like I said, it, if these quarterbacks are less than 100%, and if we're saying that throughout moments of the game, um, I'd, I'd be a little bit surprised. Now, I think Tua is the more likely person to come up limping on a play because that's just what we've seen all year. Well, I think he might not be 100%. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe he's not. But he's he's saying he's going to be, and it's almost like he's just trying to, like I said, he's trying to like fire himself up. Saban has been saying this whole time that he's going to be ready to go. Uh, I do think, though, that for what it's worth, I think the trigger will be a little bit quicker yeah. Uh, to put Jalen Hurts in this game, if Tua does have you know those those moments of you know mm. where he's not looking like himself completely, and not not to say that he's being benched or anything like that, but if you know if, if he takes a, a big hit from a sack or something like that, and he comes up limping, I think Saban, after what he's seen from Jalen, especially in the SEC championship yeah. game, will be a little bit more likely to be like Jalen, just go in there, just go in there, right. take care of it. You can throw. We know that you can throw the ball now, and it's Oklahoma. Like, well, and then. The one thing they did come, yeah, it's like that's when you said if, if Tua takes a big hit, I almost laughed because it's like, like the, I know there was one fan that we talked about. He, he was upset with me after the Georgia Bama game, and he's like, for you to say that you weren't worried at all, 
That kind of sucked. And it did, because I should have been worried about Georgia. Georgia's a good team. I'm not trying to piggyback off that. There is not a single part of me that's worried about this game, and we will talk about that later when we do our predictions, and I'll explain to you why. But, you know, the one negative thing that came from uh, media days was, to, or media whatever availability, Tua said that he was pulling for Notre Dame in that 2012 national championship. Yeah, yeah, the Manti so, Teo angle. And, I'm hashtag Team Jalen all the way, if, that, <laughs> if it gets there, if it gets there. By the way, Jalen did have a comment that was interesting at uh, availability right before we came on and started recording this, basically saying that um, all the transfer stuff was just speculation. He never said anything about transferring. He still like hasn't made up. Still like he still hasn't made up any final decisions about what he's going to do after uh, after you know Alabama's run here in the playoffs. So for, for what that's worth, but you know he's going to not get back on the team bus and just stay in Miami. Taking my talents <laughs> to South Beach. I'm going to keep my talents in South Beach. Yeek. Um, let's talk about the other playoff game um, because this was the big news in college football this week. Three Clemson players suspended for a failed drug test. Dexter Lawrence, of course, the star defensive tackle, tight end Braden Galloway, and offensive lineman Zach Giela. I don't know how to pronounce that. Giela. Giela. Like yeah. Giada, almost. Kind of, well, no, but yes, Giela. All right. Uh, so they tested positive for trace amounts of Osterine. Is that how you say it? Osterine? Osterine. 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 Okay, sure. Um, and that's usually only found in banned substances. So what we've found out since then, because everybody was like, okay, well, what does this mean for his status? Uh, for, you know, obviously for the Cotton Bowl against Notre Dame, and immediately the thought was that he's not going to be able to play in this game and that he's going to be suspended. And that's still looking like it's going to be the case. What needs to happen in order for him to be cleared, we found out, was a second sample has to show, has to come up negative. And apparently results of that aren't going to come in until the next Wednesday or Thursday, meaning he could theoretically be cleared by the title game. Now, it's uncertain what the likelihood of that timeline being followed is or you know what the impact of all of this is, but... Uh, according to Ross Dellinger of Sports Illustrated, only one one in every one of th- to three of every twenty five to thirty appeals are granted, and what? apparently there's an appeal process with all this. That's so many fractions. Yeah, there's a lot of fractions to go in there, but it's looking like Clemson is Clemson is preparing for life without Dexter Lawrence, and that's significant. But I want to kind of get back to some of the root of how this all happened, and obviously we don't know necessarily the details of that, but. Some of the comments that have come from this <laughs> have kind of bothered me because I get that you're going to defend your guy and you're going to say, yeah. how could this happen? And Dexter Lawrence, if he didn't knowingly take this and that's at the root of this, I, I, I understand his reaction, which was he was stunned. He thought Dabo was playing a prank on him. Uh, nobody believed this when they found this out in the Clemson locker room. And so... He had Christian Wilkins, um, who's also a star on that defensive line. Everybody expects him to be a first-round pick in the future as well. He had the comment, unlike Dex doesn't take anything. He's 6'5", 350 pounds. What more could a person of that build need to do to improve their, you know what I mean? It was just funny to me almost. And then he goes on to say that like things could pop up, but that... Dexter Lawrence doesn't need to take anything and that he doesn't know how it could happen. Now, real quick, I just want to say that bothers me. I think Christian Wilkins is a really, really smart person, and I think he's been great for college football. He's a great personality. He's done. He's been very fun to watch over the years, and I look forward to watching him in the playoff. But that comment bothers me because, dude, bodybuilders take stuff. 
everybody takes stuff. Just because you're 350 pounds doesn't mean you don't need to take stuff, you need to maintain. So this belief that he should be dismissed because he's 6'5", 350 pounds is crap. That's, so, that, that to me is awful. If you're in college and you're about to be going into, especially the NFL draft, if you're a college athlete, you're most likely taking stuff. They, they most, most Division One places I've said before, they will, they will probably give you enough supplements or dietary stuff that you don't need to take anything extra. But let me tell you, this is, this is what Osterine or Osterine, whatever it is, does. Um, it is a selective androgen receptor modulator, which we knew, obviously, right? Of a lot course. of big words. Yeah. Um, this is, so it's, it's for the building and preserving of lean muscle mass. And don't forget about its healing properties on both muscle and bone issues. Tissues, sorry. So, like, and I'm reading this from healthinformatics.org. I... I uh, we haven't done this in a while, but as a college athlete, I took stuff. We took we took different stuff from whether it be like Celtec, whether it was, um, you know, stuff to like put on weight, stuff to gain mass, stuff to gain lean mass. Stuff to, like it's a long season, and when you talk about, especially when it says for healing properties of both muscle and bone tissues, trying to recover faster, it's not out of the question these people were taking anything that that was legal. They thought was legal, and something there was an ingredient in it that was that popped up. It's crazy to me that, that they would think that he wasn't on anything, especially with the fact that if he was 6'5", 350 pounds. Like, right. You know what I mean? Like, that's just, it makes no sense. And also, if this kid is going to be going to the NFL draft, chances are he probably was trying to get a little extra boost. I, I don't think he did anything. I'm not saying that he knowingly took something that was going to get him popped. But it definitely... It's not out of the question. It's crazy that you would think it is out of the question. Yeah, the the immediate deniability of like I get that you know these schools have great nutrition staffs and they have people who document everything that they take. But like to me, you don't know every single thing no. that that a that a 21, 22 year old kid consumes. There's just no possible way right. that you can know every single thing. And if he's doing this on his own, you just never know. So I I didn't want to like rule this possibility out and i'm not saying i'm not you know saying that he's guilty of this or saying that he's not guilty of this what bothered me was just the instant deniability in that oh, yeah. standpoint of like he's 6'5 350 pounds why does he need to take stuff all right man so do you not need to lift <laughs> weights either to, right, right yeah like to me that's just a garbage thing. my, my mother-in-law who's who's 56 years old has has takes a million supplements and she works out almost She's on in a great daily shape. basis. Yeah. She's not in great shape. Like, I, I weigh 165 pounds. I take you stuff. You 165 like, pounds? I do weigh 165 Jesus. pounds. Sick brag. I'm also 5'8", so it's a little that's bit different. But, I um, weighed 165 pounds since ninth grade. Yeah, it's, it's, we're, we're a little bit different body types. <laughs> we, can, we can say that. Um, so, not, I, like, th- my, my point with this is this, because um, I think a lot of people rush to judgment and they're like, oh, obviously it was a botched test or something like that. There's there there are ways that that it, this can get into somebody's system, and I think the impact that we're talking about with a player of this caliber, and the only reason we're talking about this is because Christian Wilkins is a phenomenal football or not right. Christian Wilkins Dexter, Dexter Lawrence is a phenomenal football player, and we expect big things from him at the next level. We expect maybe there's a chance that he could be on the field or not on the field to face Alabama in part four of this great rivalry, and so we're talking about this and we're laying all these possibilities out because. The impact is significant, and you know if if he is going to miss potentially a national championship, potentially a game against Alabama, if Alabama gets to that point, yeah, 
we're going to continue to talk about this because this is one of the premier players in college football being banned for something that, let's be honest, we don't talk about drug suspensions a lot in college football. We talk about Will Greer a lot in 2015 and the impact of that. And he, right. he admitted that he ended up taking something that you know wasn't necessarily something that he, he should have taken, wasn't something that was checked by trainers, all that stuff. Clemson, though, still probably has enough to be able to get through Notre Dame, yeah, even with that fine. defensive line. I think they're they'll be fine. fine. <laughs> so like we, we go figure that. We spend all this time like talking about this and trying to break down the significance. But I think Clemson will be fine. I think we will talk more about this potentially uh, if we were talking about a Clemson-Alabama rematch in the yeah. national championship. All right, let's move on to our SEC Bowl superlatives. We had a little miscommunication on this early on, but we recovered. We recovered. We have a bowl superlative for every single SEC Bowl game. And I think we should start in the East. Let's start with the game that's being played tonight. If you're listening to this on Thursday, it's the Texas Bowl with Vandy and Baylor. You have the East, so I'll let you go through what you I'll let you go through what, what you came up with for, for each game and then we'll we'll hit the West. It is the Academy Sports and Outdoors Texas Bowl. Don't so, give me the full name. Just call it the Texas Bowl. Come on. It's man. the Academy. The only reason I say it is because this this maybe the best uh, superlative would be like most likely to see Marty Smith that Marty Smith commercial where he's shopping in Academy and Sports oh, like yep. seventy eight times during this one. And, and um, Laura Rutledge is like, "What are you doing here, Marty?" And it's. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's like, all right, we, he's he's a guy shopping. That's what he's doing. I know? love that they that one commercial where they put her in a deer stand. Like that's what she's doing on Saturdays. And she's like, oh, love SEC football Saturdays. It's like if you really love them, you'd actually be watching yeah, in front of your, your TV job. and not not hunting. <laughs> right. And you can't you can't just be sitting on your cell phone hunting. Everybody knows that, but whatever. Well, I didn't know that, but yeah, it's fine. I said most likely to be high scoring slash the best game. I'm I'm really high on this game. I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. Mainly because it's been a long long break. There haven't been any SEC games. I think Vanderbilt's favored by four. This could be a fun game. I'm excited about this one. I wish Jalen Hurd was playing in this game. Um, yeah. Keep in mind, if you this this is going to be a cold take by if you're listening to this on Friday or Saturday or something, but Baylor's kicker is out. What does that mean? Just just saying, their kicker is injured. He's out. So they, they have like a kickers? backup. Yeah, they use kickers apparently at Baylor. I don't know, I don't know what that's about. Yeah. I don't, you don't need it. Oh, I, I hope maybe I hope Chip and Joe are at this game. Anyway, oh, definitely, for sure. Um, so the Peach Bowl, Florida and Michigan, uh, our good friend, Gary Stokin, we talked to him about this game. Uh, yes, it's right did. down the street from me. Um, I said most likely to have an upset. So when this game first got, um, this is the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, right? When this uh, game first got, I guess, like, they, they announced the matchup, I kind of thought Michigan would dominate Florida, try to prove a point, because Jim Harbaugh versus the SEC, that whole narrative. Uh, I've kind of changed my mind on that now because I think Michigan has roughly 87 players out on defense. <laughs> so Yeah, I think, two total. I think, but yeah. yeah, either way, I think Florida could, uh, could possibly pull the upset. Um, the next one, this is the best uh, best Twitter handle. Again, I can't give them enough shout-outs on this. The Belk Bowl. You guys know I love Belk almost as much as Barrett's Lee. We've talked about this. Um, most likely to be a low scoring and or get a prime number involved. The Belk Bowl. Ooh, I like the prime number thing. I'm not yeah. as high on the low score. I'm. I think that there will be some points scored in this one, but a prime number. I'm on board with that. Like this, this is gonna be like a twenty to sixteen or like a, a twenty two to seventeen game. Like a nineteen, like thirty. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like thirty one to nineteen. No, yeah, see, I don't think it'll be that much. Okay, thirty one's a prime, prime number. number. Yeah. yeah, nineteen to nineteen to thirteen. That's in play. 
Ooh. You know, or a nice round, even number and a prime number, like 19 to 16. At this game's not going to make sense. Yeah, this game's yeah. not going to make sense. This will definitely have a, like a minimum of four field goals. Um, the Liberty Bowl, Mizzou versus Oklahoma. I said most likely to have a hungover player and or coach. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, it's in yeah. Memphis. Again, my favorite stat ever was last year when Iowa State was in this game, and their fans drink Jerry the King Lawler's Barbecue Restaurant Dry of Bushlight. And so the bar has been set for Mizzou fans. Uh I'm pretty excited for this game. I will Mike, say that. Plus, Mike Gundy? Come on. like, Guy's got Mike. a lifetime contract at Oklahoma State. He's got that Boone Pickens money. Um, yeah, yeah the, Mike the, Fundy. Yeah, there you go. All right, I like that. Um, the Citrus Bowl, you will be at this game. So Sick I card. actually gave a, a good one for this one. Most likely to actually help a team slash program going into next year. Usually I think bowl games don't really matter that much. I feel like this is something that could actually help each program. Penn State beating a ranked team would be big. They've kind of fallen off. You know the the national scale. I think well, at least down here, maybe not with you. Um, you know, towards the end of the year. But Kentucky, Kentucky, if they were able to close out this year with ten wins and beat a national program, like, like a national brand like Penn State, that'd be huge I agree. For the program. I agree. Um, and then last but not least, the Sugar Bowl, Georgia versus Texas. I was actually going to give this superlative to the Bama Auburn or Bama Oklahoma game, um, but it actually make it may make more sense here. Georgia Texas most likely to end in a fight, players or fans. Oh yeah. Oh, There's yeah. something about New Orleans. You walk around with those big ass beers. That's what they actually call them. Or just you've been you've been on a diet of just beignets and, and frozen drinks for like three straight days when you're on vacation. You're ready to fight somebody. I mean, it's going to take one horns down for Texas fans to want to fight Georgia fans, yeah. and that's going to be all over the place. I so, can't yeah. wait for these two fan bases to start arguing about like who has a better, like more rich tradition. When well, neither one of them really do. It's going to be awesome. Wow. What about Daryl Royal, dude? What about Daryl Royal? What about Vince Dooley? They're like, what? What are you talking about? The the Texas Whites, some of the best uniforms in college football. Those are pretty good. I like Those that burnt orange sweet. color, too. What's, so, Georgia's the home team? Uh, that's a good question. I would I love know. if they came out in black. There's the blackout jerseys. That'd be awesome. Anyway, they came take out it away with from West. Yeah, we did a story on that on SDS. They came out with their jerseys. I just can't remember. All right, West. Music City Bowl. Auburn and Purdue. Uh, this one's easy. Most likely to go viral for a trick play. Yep. Gus Malzahn, first game as, his, as offensive coordinator doing the play calling, essentially. Um, I know they got dilly-dilly, but um, he's doing all the play calling and all that stuff for the first time in a few years. Uh, so, yeah, that one's going viral for a trick play. Do you Jeff Brom's going to have three or four. Do you think they'll come out and say that? Like, like, I remember hearing stories like where like, if you're like, planning for a bowl, like you'll like, like, you know what, first play of the game, we're doing this. And like, the whole the whole team will be like, yeah, like get them all pumped up. Like, oh, yeah. I can easily see Gus like holding a team and he's like, first play? Triple reverse pass, back to the quarterback, and everyone's like, damn it, Gus, again, we can't keep doing this. Yeah, the punter is going to get probably two or three <laughs> catches in this game. Um, and, and I say viral because it could be really, really good, or it could be really, really bad. So right. I look That's forward good. to that. Uh, tax layer bowl with AM and NC State. This is most likely to yield 400, 400 yard passing games from both quarterbacks. Yeah. So Ryan Finley, a guy who keeps rising up draft boards, especially after hearing about Justin Herbert, who's coming back for his senior season in Oregon. Uh, Ryan Finley is facing an AM secondary that ranks number 111 in the country. Meanwhile, Kellen That's Mond, funny. with a month to prepare with Jimbo, um, gets to face an NC State defense that ranks 120th against the pass. So passing also yards. Bad. All of them. Um, a game where they're not, they're, there won't be as many passing yards. I'll put good money on that. The Outback Bowl, Mississippi State against Iowa. You already know Mississippi State is a is a lock to win this game. I'll get to that a little bit more later. But this is the least likely to turn into a shootout. 
Uh, Nick Fitzgerald and Nate Stanley, we're going to see a lot of similarities in, in how they throw the ball, which is Ooh. way too hard. They yeah. throw the ball. They they have more overthrows combined than maybe any quarterbacks in the country. So I'm not banking necessarily on a on a shootout for that game. Um, and then the Fiesta Bowl, LSU, UCF. This this is pretty obvious too. This is the most likely to, to break Twitter. Um, social media is going to have a field day with this. The takes are going to be flying. Everybody's going to be watching this on New Year's Day a little bit. You know, a little bit hungover, but the takes will still be a little bit. Uh, yeah, okay, very, very hungover. The takes will still be flying for that one. I, on both sides, we're going to have UCF fans basically jumping all over everything that's said positively about LSU. The excuses are going to come out for UCF if LSU runs away with this, and vice versa. LSU fans will probably be really upset uh, if UCF does pull away, and the excuse will be, oh, we're missing a bunch of players on the defensive side. Did you I'm see here Matt for Foley? Did you see Matt Foley yesterday? I didn't see this. Or Ed Foley go out and say that UCF. How, how do you say they're not the number one team in the country? Well, usually the number one team in the country can beat a team that's in the top 15 in a given yeah. season. But um, that's we'll, we'll save that take for uh, the, our post-Fiesta Bowl podcast. Uh, and last but not least, it's the Orange Bowl. Bama, Woo-hoo. Oklahoma. This is the most... This game is most likely to make Twitter debate the Heisman after every touchdown scored. So after every single time that Tua scores a touchdown, it's going to be like, see, told you should have, should have had the Heisman, shouldn't have given it to Kyler. And after every time Kyler scores, it's all the all the people who voted for him are going to be like, see, told you that a guy that like, like him is, is able to score against anyone. doesn't matter if it's Bama. doesn't matter if it's Big 12. All those takes. This is, it's going to be the most old takes exposed, man. Oh, big time! It's like because he's gonna break loose. Like, like the only thing that worries me about this game is is when they're it's like third and thirteen. He's like a seventeen yard rush, and then what's I'm, I'm glad I'm gonna be there, so I don't have to be on my phone mm-hmm. like during the game because immediately after that happens, which it'll happen at least once during that game, it's gonna be like, oh yeah, SEC defenses, huh? This big uh, all this SEC speed, like get out of here. Yeah, Bama's gonna, gonna so let some words. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, there you have it. Those are our bowl superlatives. We're going to do picks a little bit later, but before we do that, uh, let's go to our interview with Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl president and CEO, Gary Stokin. Like I said, we talked uh, Florida-Michigan matchup, just kind of how that all happened and how the process is a lot more boring than it used to be. Yeah. Uh, he debunked some of our UCF conspiracy theories, unfortunately, which I thought were really good. And he also shared with us what Jim Harbaugh going to have in his fridge for, for for the game, his weird request. So, that was impressive. Uh, yeah, that was, yeah, we would expect nothing less. Let's kick it to that interview with Gary Stokin. We're excited to be joined by a good, good friend of the podcast. He is Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl president and CEO, Gary Stokin. Uh, this year, of course, we know that we've got Florida, we got Michigan, and they're, they're playing in this game. It's on Saturday, December 29th. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, first of all, before we get into anything else, Gary, I'm, I'm always fascinated to just hear how these matchup talks came together. Can you just give us the, the outline for those of us who don't know really kind of the, the back talk that goes on with putting a bowl matchup together, how this matchup specifically with Florida and Michigan all came to be? Yeah, it's, it's one of the things I miss the most is the competitiveness and the selection process. As you know now with the, the CFP that we joined uh, in 2014, uh, the CFP Selection Committee uh, meets in Dallas, and basically they will select the top four teams and put them one versus four, two versus three, as they did this year in the cotton and the orange. And then because the rose and the sugar are contract bowls, 
that have contracts with respective conferences. Uh, in the case of the Rose Bowl, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten. In the case of the Sugar Bowl, the Big 12 and the SEC. The CFP Selection Committee calls those uh, committees, uh, the Rose Bowl, and says, who are you going to take? Uh, now, those contract bowls are obligated to take the champions of their respective contract co- contracted conferences. So in this case, Ohio State was champ of the Big Ten and Washington champ of the Big Pac-12. They selected those two teams. Then the committee says, okay, we got to go to the Sugar Bowl. Sugar Bowl, who do you select? Now, because the Sugar Bowl lost its champion in the SEC to the Final Four, they had they were obligated by contract to pick the next highest SEC ranked team, and that was Georgia. And they lost Oklahoma, their their Big 12 champ, to the Final Four. They had to select the next highest Big 12 ranked team in the CFP rankings, and that was Texas. Then it went back to the committee, and the committee placed the teams in us, the Peach Bowl, Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, and the Fiesta Bowl. Um, So really, we had no say-so whatsoever. We can't politic. Uh, The CFP Selection Committee doesn't ask us. And as I remember in 2014, our first year in this, I called Bill Hancock and said, Bill, are you going to call me Saturday or even Sunday morning and let us know who we're going to host? And he said, Gary, you will find out when the rest of America finds out. And so we literally (laughs) sit in our office. We have a little party in our office with our board and our volunteers and our, and our staff, our team. And we sit and we watch just like you watch to see, you know, like on Christmas Eve, who we're going to wind up hosting, who's in our package to open up and, and see who we're going to have in our Chick-fil-A peach bowl. So that's literally how it goes. Even in the semifinals year, semifinal years, that's how it goes. We don't we don't have any idea until you do who we're going to host. So that I guess explains what I was going to get to a little bit later, which is, you know, a, a lot of people I think were wondering just kind of why why a Big Ten team? You guys haven't had a Big Ten team in the 21st century, and, and you end up getting Michigan right. there. So that, so basically, what you're what you're saying is that that's all predetermined. That has basically nothing to do with what you guys do in the selection process anymore. No, it's exactly right, uh, and even to the point where Scott Strickland, who's the AD at Florida, uh, had to be asked to leave the selection committee room and go sit outside uh, when they <laughs> talked about Florida, and when he walked back in, he found out that Florida was on the board playing Michigan, so he didn't have any idea either and didn't have any say-so, uh, and there's a lot of conspiracy theorists out there that says, well, why didn't the Peach Bowl Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl take Florida, Central Florida, or why didn't the CFP committee put Central Florida in Florida, or why didn't, you know, uh, Scott Strickland put Florida and Central Florida together? Well, it, it really wasn't our choice. It wasn't Scott's choice. It was up to the CFP selection committee. And having said that, they prefer not to have a team make a repeat appearance in the same bowl game because they want the student athletes to have a different bowl uh, experience. Secondly is because us, the Cotton and Fiesta, are uh, host access bowls. We are the only access, other than the the semifinal games, for the highest-ranked champion of the group of five. So last year, we took the group of five champion. This year, the group of five champion was going to go to the Fiesta Bowl. 
And next year, the Group of Five champion will go to the Cotton Bowl because us and the Fiesta Bowl are hosting the semifinals. And the other three bowls, in that case, the Orange, Rose, and Sugar, are all contract bowls that have contracts with conferences. And so that's, that's you know, how the, the Group of Five champion works into the, uh, the New Year's Six games. Gary, I don't like all that logic and reason that you just used to come up with why UCF is not part of a conspiracy theory. Uh, that's that will not fly for us. I burst I your bubble, you, huh? Yeah, you really time. did. I was I was hoping you were going to say, yeah, you know, I had talks with Scott Strickland, and Scott Strickland basically told me there's no chance I want to play UCF in a bowl game. Do whatever you can to get anybody but UCF in that matchup. But so so I guess this this sort of pours any. You know, this pours cold water on the fire takes that have been coming out that say, oh, yeah, people want, you know, there's there's a reason that they didn't come up with, with UCF to, to play Florida in this game. Just hypothetically, let's say that scenario was still on the table. Is that something that if that option was presented to you, you would have pursued, even though it would have been a repeat appearance for UCF? Well, as I say, I mean, it it we really, I, I hate to say this, but we're really neutered as to what our desires are because it really doesn't matter. I mean, we don't we don't get a chance to talk to the CFP selection committee and if we did want it, it didn't matter anyway. Uh they weren't going to they weren't going to uh appease us one way or the other. They were going to do what they felt was best for the rules and regulations that they have set up in the CFP. And and you know, I appreciate that and and you know, we're partners with them and we just signed a six-year extension to continue with uh, the CFP and hosting the uh, host access bowls in four years, and then 22 and 25 hosting the the national semifinals. All right, I've got one. I've got one more UCF question, and then I'll stop asking because you know we do we have you on before the Chick Fil A kickoff game um, every year, and we talk about that matchup, and we've talked about some future matchups, and you've given us some nice little teasers in the past. The conversation has to have been had, I would assume, between you and Danny White about getting UCF into that game. If I'm UCF, I'm doing whatever I can to try and play in that game, much like Boise State did back in 2014, to try and break that group of five barrier. Have those conversations happened yet? Yeah, Danny's a friend and does a great job, and and I admire what he's done in Central Florida, along with Scott Frost and now Josh Heupel. Um, You know, we... Uh, we broached the subject of, hey, if they want to play, you know, uh, home and home and neutral, um, although they'll probably play neutral somewhere in Florida, we'd host a, a neutral game if, you know, they wanted to play in in Gainesville and you know, Orlando and then a, a neutral game, we'd, we'd be happy to host Florida and Central Florida in the Chick-fil-A kickoff game. I mean, I think that would be fantastic. Can we, let's just, I mean, I know you got a slot open in 2023. Let's just, let's put a, let's put a pin in that. Let's just assume that that's going to be okay for now. And, and if there are some logistical issues that don't work out later, then we'll circle back to it. But are, are, are you okay with yeah, that? We'll because let, you know we'll that's a good you negotiate that deal. You, you can be the CFP selection committee and negotiate that one. Perfect. Yes. I'm I'm excited for the 2020 game with Georgia and Virginia because I felt like most of my New Year's Eve, uh, like early on in my childhood, were always that game. That's how I rang in New Year every year. Was that, yeah? That if Peach you Bowl remember, matchup. 95 and 98, both games went down to the last second. Uh, yeah. They were 
they were great games. And I really think Bronco Mendenhall is getting it going at, at Virginia. And certainly Kirby's done a wonderful job at Georgia. So uh, we look forward to that game, but we also look forward to the other two games. You know, we'll be doing that year three games in a week yeah. uh, in 2020. So that's going to be an exciting, uh, exciting year for us. Well, I know over the, the past 20 years, the Peach Bowl has had a ridiculous impact on the city of Atlanta. Again, being from here, can't say thank you enough. Uh, you know, having a direct, direct economic impact of over $1 billion um, in just under 20 years, the city of Atlanta is incredible. When did you first notice the level of significance that this game has, not only on the city, but also the national landscape for college football as well? Yeah, well, at the time in 1998, I was also president of Atlanta Sports Council, and and what we were trying to do at that point, just coming off the uh, the uh, Olympics in '96, is we were trying to make the case of, you know, Atlanta as the sports capital of the world, uh, with all the mega events that we were bringing in, you know, whether it be Super Bowls or Final Fours or, uh, you know, ACC basketball tournaments, uh, you know, uh, the SEC championship game, the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so, um, you know, we we tried to, you know, take the, the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl up. Uh, they they joined, uh, Chick-fil-A joined us in 97 uh, in our first, uh, excuse me, the first game as title sponsor. I came the next year in 98. Uh, we changed their contract. We extended their contract, I should say, in 2001, I believe it was to take the peach out of the name and negotiated a higher uh, fee from Chick-fil-A so that we could go after the number one uh, selection after the BCS in the ACC. We were successful in doing that. And that really elevated us to having games like, you know, uh, Clemson and LSU that were like ranked in the top, both in the top 15. And, uh, and I really think that uh, plus the great job our staff does and volunteers and the whole city of Atlanta and hosting big events. You know, we were selling out. We sold out 20 out of 22 games. Um, so we get great fan support. We have great corporate support. Um, you know, the Georgia Dome was an excellent facility, and now we have the best facility in the world. Um, you know, creating the kickoff games, I think, showed that, you know, we were willing to you know, have a bigger impact, which I think the kickoff games have basically changed the face of college football. Uh, and then when we brought the Hall of Fame to Atlanta, you know, I think uh, the conference commissioners and everybody in college football looked at us and said, hey, these guys are really committed to the game of football uh, and giving back, uh, being the number one bowl game, bowl organization and charity. Uh, since 2002, we've given $31.8 million back. Wow to Atlanta, as well as the communities that have played in our game. So I think all those things added together, uh, plus, you know, having what I think is the best city in the world for, for major sporting events uh, with a great airport and, and great facilities downtown and great hotels close by and restaurants and, you know, a walking experience now with, you know, a Hall of Fame and a CNN Center and a World of Coke and Aquarium and all the great restaurants. So, um, plus, Atlanta just has a sense of getting things done and working together. And I think the Olympics really lent, it, lent uh, to that success. We found out that, hey, we could do anything when we all got together and put together the Olympic Games. So, um, you know, that, that all triggered 
really everything starting. And now here we are, you know, back in that that day, as you mentioned, the Georgia Virginia in 1998, when my first game is is the bowl president. You know, the AJC came out and wrote that Georgia's going. Their headlines was Georgia's going to a third tier bowl game. And so you think about what the old Peach Bowl was, and now to be, you know, in the same sentence with the rose and the sugar and the orange, right? And to be a New Year's Six game and hosting semifinals every three years, and then last year, you know, hosting the national championship and hosting number one against number three in our kickoff game. I mean, all those things have, you know, really elevated, uh, you know, our organization. And I think now we're in a position where we are one of the leaders in college football. Gary, uh, real, real quick. I'm, I mean, I think I'm not a resident of, of Atlanta, but, and I don't have a vote in this, but I think that you just won mayor of Atlanta. I That's, think that I was just going to say that you should run for mayor. <laughs> yep. Well, it's interesting. The mayor, uh, Mayor Reed, uh, last year gave our organization, Peach Bowl Inc., the uh, Phoenix Award, which is the highest award uh, the mayor of the city of Atlanta can give to any individual or organization. So, um, you know, they they saw what we've done. Um, You know, when you look at, you know, in the fourth largest convention town, you know, in the United States behind Las Vegas and Chicago and Orlando, Atlanta is number four that, uh, you know, four of the six largest conventions on an annual basis are college football games. Uh, last year, five of the of the seven largest conventions um, were college football games. I mean, that's, you know, that's how important college football is to the city. When you talk about the, you know, the Chick-fil-A kickoff game, the SEC championship, the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, the national championship, uh, you know, in most cases we have two kickoff games that sell out. So um, it's it's really a vital economic uh, factor, particularly when you look at the times of year when we do our events or Labor Day and, you know, the last week in, in December when the hotels and restaurants really need some help filling, right. you know, their, their restaurants and their hotel rooms. So uh, not only is it a big impact, but it's a big impact at a timely uh, uh, time of the year. So that's my listen, second question for mayor. <laughs> yeah, we just all that sounds great. We just got to figure out the potholes. If you have a, a plan for the potholes and traffic, we're on to something there. <laughs> um, so that all being said, you've been so instrumental in obviously the Peach Bowl becoming uh, the growth it's had. You know, from what you said, the third tier bowl, which is ridiculous, to now New Year's Six Bowl, the Hall of Fame being re- relocated from South Bend to Atlanta rebranding Atlanta as the sports capital of the world. That's a lot more impressive resume than I have. Uh, but mm-hmm. out of all those accomplishments, what are you most proud of during your career? Yeah, it's a great question. A lot of people asked me last year when we celebrate our 50th anniversary, and it truly is to see, you know, the faces of our staff and, and our volunteers, many of whom, you know, have volunteered for, you know, 48, 49 years of those 50 years, to see them be a part of this and the smile on their face, you know, when we hosted the semifinals or hosted, you know, the, the GOAT game and the kickoff game last year, number one against number three, you know, that does my heart good because those guys have, you know, they were around when the, the old Peach Bowl was couldn't rub two nickels together, you know, and, and very honestly, in 1985, Dick Bestwick, who is in my position, um, you know, went to the the business leaders in the city and said, if you don't 
sponsor this game and buy tickets, we're going to go out of business. They had Army Illinois in 1985, had 22,000 people in old Fulton County Stadium Fulton County, with yeah. a foot of mud and, you know, freezing cold. And, you know, they, they weren't really making any money and hard to make payouts. And, you know, the chamber step up, uh, the incoming chamber chair was uh, Ron Allen, who was CEO of Delta at the time. And Ron said, no, we don't want it to go out of business. We're going to step up. They wrote a check for $100,000. And uh, their CMO, Bob Coggin, who's still on my board um, and has since retired from Delta, uh, he sold 3,300 tickets. And those two, you know, impetuses of, of selling tickets and getting corporate uh, sponsorship has led us to be back in business and then grow from there to the point now where, as I said, we're part of the New Year Six and hosting semifinals every two years, hosting the national championship you know, last year. So enough of the softball questions. I'm going to give you the hard-hitting stuff here. Most important question of the day. You what is your go-to up, huh? order? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What is your go-to order at Chick-fil-A? Well, I, I answer that typically because I'm, I'm now ordering for my grandchildren as well. So it's a combination of nuggets, strips, and uh, the uh, number one, the the Chick-fil-A original sandwich with pickles and tomatoes. Classic. Well done. Well done. Um, and a so, peach milkshake uh, when s- it's available in the summer. There you go. Ooh, good ad. Good ad. Really good ad. Uh, I'm more <laughs> of a I'm a lemonade guy myself, but I won't hold that against you. Um, so you said you said before the the Chick-fil-A kickoff that uh, Chris Peterson had requested that the roof be closed for the game against Auburn. I, I've got to assume that Jim Harbaugh came at you with some sort of weird request. If so, what was it? Uh, well, I, I should clarify that. Jim uh, or, or Coach Pete really didn't uh, demand it or, or request it. He, he just said, hey, if you could, we'd like to have it closed because we're not ready for it. We don't practice in the, uh, the humidity that you have in Atlanta in August, and Auburn does. And we, we – wanted the uh, roof to be closed anyway because you can control the air conditioning and everything else when it's hot. Um, Coach Harbaugh has not, uh, uh, you know, really come to us with any kind of, uh, uh, you know, I, th- I think uh, the biggest thing we're doing for Coach Harbaugh is is making sure he has Diet Coke and milk in his refrigerator <laughs> the, uh, in, in his room. So, and, and as I said, they had us up there for their uh, – football award show and and uh hosted us afterwards in a press conference and uh john jansen their their uh former all-american who does radio with him said you know well how do you like the uh michigan florida matchup and i said uh we are thrilled with the excitement that's unknown to mankind to have michigan <laughs> and florida playing in our game <laughs> i think jim liked that when i said that Oh, you are making friends with uh, your first Big Ten team down there. Yeah, um, yeah. first time you know, in 28 years we'll have a Big Ten team. It's it's crazy. I mean, as somebody who grew up in the Midwest, it definitely was not not a part of my childhood. That's for sure. Um, yeah, but, we've never know, had cool Michigan in our happening. game. Yeah, yeah it's, it and, cool. and, 
the way that it's developed, I mean, as much as you talk about like being neutered from the selection process, the fact that you are getting to have these new teams in these matchups and even just getting Washington to come down there. I know for a couple years ago, that was out of your control with the playoff matchup as well, but then getting them down there because of the experience that they had, we talked about that before. Um, a new trend also that you know has come up, and I'm sure that you guys have had a lot of discussions about this. But um, I, I'm curious what your take is on this. You know, player skipping bowl games as somebody who is trying to put these matchups together, and obviously you want to sell tickets. That's the main goal. Just what are your overall thoughts on on this new trend? Consider this your platform to bash all players who decide to skip bowl games. Well, I, I'll give you three answers. One is as an old guy, 63 years old, and you know. Uh, that's young, Gary. You know, Come on. It, it, it's hard. It's hard for me to imagine when I grew up playing and competing, you know, at NC State, playing basketball there, and then coaching there afterwards, that you know anybody wouldn't want to stay with their team and their their brothers and their, you know, their their teammates to to play out their season. However, that's the old guy answer. This the second part of the answer is, I fully understand, can fully accept and appreciate the perspective of those players who have gone to college to find work and their work being, you know, in, in the professional field of athletics, uh, when they're getting ready to sign, you know, a multi-million dollar contract, uh, that they don't want to do anything to hurt their chances to get that contract. So, you know, I fully understand, fully appreciate, and and uh, don't have any problem with the players doing that, uh, especially in light of the coaches do the same thing, right? So how can you be okay with a coach leaving his school to, you know, go to another school, not to coach him in their bowl game when he's signing a multimillion-dollar contract, and then say the players shouldn't have that same right? Um, and I guess the third answer is I have a concern that we are speeding everything up uh, in our world um, where, you know, kids now are going to sign December 18th and uh, they're going to be on campus in January at their college um, because they want to be ready for spring, because they want to start as freshmen, because they want to leave as juniors, because they want to get to the NFL to get to their second contract where you make the most money. And I worry that we're speeding everything up too fast. And I think the next shoe to drop is going to be a high school senior who signs with, you you fill in the dot line, Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, UCF. Notre Dame, UCF, <laughs> whoever it is, and says, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to play my senior year of right. high school because I want to get ready to get on campus in January to get ready to start as a freshman. And, you know, I think that's the next shoe to drop. And so I think we're speeding everything up. And and I don't like that aspect of where everything's going, but I don't have any control over it. And I think it's it's just a way of the world. And so, you know, that's, that's the three-part answer I have for that question. That's that's a good point. I, I think that's something that we'll we'll continue to to discuss, and I think a lot of people will uh, will take a, a, an even closer look at that. Gary, we we really appreciate you coming on. I'm sure that we're going to have you on uh, ahead of next year with Duke and Alabama opening the season. 
uh, in the Chick-fil-A kickoff game. Um, I, I hope that you guys get a seven overtime game between Florida and Michigan. That, I mean, you guys are <laughs> going to sell tickets either way, but uh, fingers crossed for that. So appreciate you coming on, and uh, we'll do it again sometime soon. Well, first off, I appreciate you guys having me. Secondly, I enjoyed the conversation. And thirdly, anytime we can host you down here and, uh, you know, we we look forward to being with you again. So I uh, hope you and your families have a very Merry Christmas and a great holiday season. Excellent. Thank you very much. You too, Gary. Thank uh, you, take Gary. Thanks, guys. And uh, enjoy the holiday season. All righty. Appreciate it. Really appreciate Gary coming on. Um, we'll We'll get some more uh, insight from him, I'm sure, before that massive showdown, before uh, – uh, before the Duke-Bama game. Um, really looking forward yeah. to that one. It'll be really close. I'm sure the spread won't be like 35. Um, but yeah, why don't you tell us about our good friends over at MyBookie. So we want to give a shout out this bowl season to our good friends at MyBookie. Uh, as you guys have been keeping up for most of the year, uh, I think with the podcast, you know Uncle Chris loves his gambling. And I love to do it over at MyBookie.com. Make sure you go over to MyBookie.com. They will match your initial deposit up to 100% uh, by using the promo code SDS. That's right. So if you want to bet on some bowl games, there's 11 SEC games in the next six days. If you want to bet on any of those, you can just go ahead over to mybookie.com today. If you want to make any prop bets, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, the, the odds are still up there. You can bet on things like, will Urban Meyer be the head coach for an NFL team in 2019? Uh, will Urban Meyer be the head coach in college football uh, by 2020? Also, what team will Urban Meyer be coaching in 2020? USC and Auburn and the Cleveland Browns, top three. Not happening. Just saying. Probably not happening. Regardless, um, still put, put some money on that. Prop bets are a lot of fun. Remember, I actually got paid from my bookie uh, because I bet on Mike Gundy's mullet earlier in the year. So a lot of fun, a lot of games, a lot of gambling, all over at mybookie.com. Again, use the promo code SDS, and they will match your initial deposit up to 100%. So head on over there today. Speaking of gambling. I Man. I am on the heater of my life right now. I'm, this is ridiculous. So, all right, just a little bit of context here. We're going to talk Bull Mania in a second here. But I have a sick brag, and that is I won. <laughs> I'm, I'm in two fantasy football leagues. I won both of my fantasy football championships, one of which was beating my brother, who is my older brother that I never beat in anything. You know what I'm talking about. All you listeners out there who have struggled to beat your older siblings at anything, that is me. I also won my keeper league that I am the commissioner of that I've never won before. Um, so there's that. There's also the fact that I am. Cur- oh, and I also won my fantasy baseball championship. So that was another like 600 bucks. <laughs> Anyways, there is also the fact that as of last night, and it changed this morning because I got a little bit of bad luck with that TCU Cal game. But for a brief period in time, I was number nine in the world in our bowl mania. Holy crap. I got as high. I got in the top 10 because I got the 15 of the first 16 games right. And I was all, and I'm still all alone in first place as of this recording in our group, which has like 180 members. So sick brag to me because you guys know me. I mean, my picks are usually terrible. I do things like Mississippi State's going to win 10 games. I say things like Jalen Hurts is going to transfer or is going to quit the team in the middle of the season. My takes are usually terrible. So you know that right now, for me to be on this run, it's going to come to an end. It's going to come crashing down. But I'm squeezing it for all it's worth because it's been magnificent. And I'm so happy right now. Milking it, not squeezing it. That was weird. Squeezing all the juice out of it, like orange juice. (laughs) I'm a Floridian. So wait, where am I at? Uh, I don't know, but you are like way, 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 way down there. What, how about what page am I on? Am I on the fourth page I think you're still? still on the fourth page. 
I know I got TCU right last night in that barn burner in the Cheez It Bowl. Yeah, I'd, Good I'd Cal win that game. Yeah, that was horrible. That was a tough game. Yeah. Um, but let's get to our uh, SEC bowl picks because, you know, it's as much as you guys want to listen to me talk about how great my picks are, you really don't. Um, we have picks for, for each of these games, and we understand that these spreads can change a little bit, but we're going to pretend like these spreads are, are locked in. So why don't you uh, get us started here? Where do we want to start? Do we want to start with the... the We're going to start bowl? with the Academy Sports Bowl. All right, let's yep. do it. The Marty Smith Academy Sports and Outdoors <laughs> Texas Bowl. Baylor versus Vanderbilt. Vandy is a four-point favorite tonight in Houston. It's a 9 p.m. kick. Okay. So I like Baylor to cover. I like Vandy to win. I think this okay. game is going to be close. I don't like the fact that uh, for for Baylor's chances that Baylor's going to be without Jalen Hurd, the former Tennessee running back who was playing the wrong position, apparently. Uh, Tennessee's offense, or not Tennessee, but Vanderbilt's offense, rather, should be able to put up points in this one. Kyle Shermer, Keyshawn Vaughn, Red Mamba. I like their chances of being able to do some work against a Big 12 defense. I'm going to give them the slight edge, but I think Baylor keeps it close because Vandy just doesn't blow teams out, and what worries me is that they really haven't beat anybody that's very good. They've played close against Notre Dame, but they really haven't. I don't think they have a single. Do they have a single win against a bowl team? I don't think they do. Who? Vandy. I don't think they do. Um, so that's that's the only thing that worries me about them, like running away with this game. Baylor is technically a bowl team, but uh, yeah, I'll take I'll take Baylor to cover in this one. Um, that's not a bad pick. I like that. I mean, let's see here, Baylor. It's in Texas. It's in Houston. So I don't know how far Waco is from. From Houston, it's probably about three Colts away. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not really sure. I, I'm taking Vandy though. Uh, Baylor gives up 31 points per game, which is not good. Not ideal. Um, no, they also give up 175 rushing yards a game. I just think the Keyshawn Vaughn's really been really been good this year. Um, kind of gone unnoticed. I think they're going to put up a lot of points. I think it's going to be end up being a shootout, but I like Vanderbilt to win. Um, not. I think they'll end up covering to be honest, because Baylor's not very good. All right, let's go to the Music City Bowl. I, I'm looking forward to this. This was high on my... Yeah. I, I was more excited about this, you know, because of Jeff Brom than I was Gus Malzahn. But the spread in this game is, to me, surprising. Auburn is favored by three and a half points. I think Purdue wins this game outright. I wouldn't be surprised. I Just give, me, give Jeff Brom a month to prepare. I, I like his chances over... Oh, over Gus Malzahn to be able to, to do that. And I, I would trust him to be able to maximize that that offense and what he has with a four-year starter and David Blau. You got Rondale Moore, who is a, an All-American, is a true freshman. Not a freshman All-American, an All-American is a true freshman. So, yeah, give me uh, – I'm not sure just how fired up Auburn's going to be to play in this one, despite the fact that Jared Stidham is going to be active, despite my prediction uh, before the Iron right. Bowl. But, yeah, I, I think that, that Purdue wins this game outright. So, here's what I'll say. I, I, this, this on paper, I was kind of shocked too that Auburn was favored by. I think it opened up at like five and a half or four and a half, something like that. Down to three and a half. I, I, I don't, I don't want to say I like Auburn because Purdue's got a lot of. They got a lot more offense than people give them credit for. Um, that being said, Auburn's defense is legit. If they come out to play, they should win the game. But Gus Malzahn is one in four uh, against teams. Was it uh, in bowl games? That's a weird stat. From, against Power 5 teams, I think. I think that's what it is. I don't know. It's some stat, but he's like 1-4 in, in bowl games. It's not good. Um, I, I'm i going to take Auburn to win outright. 
Uh, I think I think Purdue will end up covering the score. I think it'll be I think or covering the spread. I think it'll be a closer game than it should be because I mean, so Jared said him coming out here um, and saying he has unfinished business. What? <laughs> I think that just means throwing a pass twenty yards downfield. Yeah. So I'll still actually, you know what? I'll I'll take Auburn to cover. I'll take Auburn to cover. Wow, you did. Gus Malzahn will probably try to prove a point to let him know that he wants to. You know, he should keep his job. You did a total. Moving on to the, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, Chick Fil A Peach Bowl. Uh, Florida versus Michigan. Michigan's a five and a half point favorite. Yeah, I don't. I don't like Michigan. I, I like Florida to cover. Um, I initially thought Michigan was going to win this game convincingly, but the fact that they're going to have four studs out: Devin Bush, Rashawn Gary, Karan Higdon, who's their, been their star tailback this year. Yeah. I don't. I, I don't like Michigan's chances of, of covering in this game. I wouldn't be surprised if Florida won outright, but I think Florida covers five and a half. I mean, I think Michigan's a better team. I really do. And I think Florida struggles with, with good defenses. That being said, Michigan hasn't had to play as many gr- like good teams with like that are going to be as physical as Florida. Um, and you know my favorite stat of all time, five and a half and five-point spreads. The underdog covers yep. 73% of the time. So I'm going to take Florida to cover. I don't want to say they're going to win outright just because I don't think they're as talented as Michigan. Um, the Belk Bowl in Charshar. Um, Charlotte, as you say. Charlotte. Uh, South Carolina versus Virginia. South Carolina opened up as a four-point favorite, moved up to five and a half. Who you got? I give me South Carolina big. Um, I'll go with the prime number theory. Let's. I'm going to change. So I initially have my final scores: South Carolina winning this game, 38 to 17. Um, I'll switch it to 38 19 for. Uh, 17's a prime number. Oh yeah, 17 is a prime number. <laughs> good points. Oh, good points. Okay, never mind. I'm going to leave my final score just like that. Um, yeah, I, I think that Brian McClendon's offense is really clicking down the stretch. I know yeah. that South Carolina is going to be without Debo Samuel in this one, but I still like the chances of Jake Bentley being able to throw the ball all over the yard against a Virginia team that really did not play that well down the stretch. I mean, they didn't win a... Really blew that game against Vatek. They didn't win a Power 5 game in November. Uh, I, I, Tough to do. Aren't almost all the games in November Power 5 games? Yeah. I mean, I just don't think that that's necessarily a good sign. Uh, give, give me South Carolina to um, kind of build on what they were doing down the stretch, especially in the passing game. Uh, Jake Bentley has a nice game and ends up being a nice launching point going into his senior season. Yeah, I think also it's 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 a close it's close to home. This is a kind of a reward for like Carolina fans. I think they'll end up showing up um, strong, have a big big supporting. Uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say right now. I've had too much coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what I'm trying to say. I know what you're trying There'll to say. There'll be a lot of fans showing up in the stadium, wearing garnet and black, all that good stuff. Uh, I think Carolina wins. I think it's closer. I, I think they don't cover the five and a half. I, I would say something like 21 to, to, to 17. Uh, I think it'll be kind of close. So next game, AutoZone Liberty Bowl. Uh, I'm excited for this game just because it'll be a constant reminder that I don't know how to fix anything in my car. So mm-hmm. the Missouri Tigers, this game has, they have like really been bought up um, versus Oklahoma State. I know Oklahoma State's going to be without uh, their running back. Justice Hill, yeah. Justice Hill, Great my man. favorite CW actor. Um, but Missouri being bought up from, I think the line opened at like six or six and a half up to nine. That's, that that's is, a lot. Yeah, yeah, that's, agreed. That's a lot. And I, I think Mizzou wins this game. I, I think Oklahoma State covers. That, that number to me is just a little bit too big. I, I feel like this game right. could easily turn into a shootout. I, I know the Mizzou defense has been improved this year, but despite the fact that Oklahoma State's going to be without Justice Hill, it's still Mike Gundy with a month to prepare. And offensively, I think that they're still able to put up some points in this one. But this ends up being a, a big Drew Locke game. And I think we sort of yeah. see a lot of the 
the development in Derek Dooley's system. Gosh, that's such a weird sentence. Um, <laughs> we, we, we see we see a lot of that in, in this game, and I think that that Mizzou ends up winning what ends up being a, a high scoring game, and this feels like a Big Twelve game. Yeah, um, I agree. So I think I think uh, Mizzou wins big. Um, like Larry Roundtree is, is is playing, right? Yes, I believe he is. He is playing in this one. And Amara Crockett. I believe they're both. Uh, I believe they're both playing. I think they're both either way. Playing. Oklahoma State gives up four hundred and thirty-seven points <laughs> per game. Yards, yards um, per game. Not yards, points. yeah, yeah. That'd yeah, be a lot of points. <laughs> that would be a record. It's one of the worst defenses in history. Um, but they're giving up almost. They're giving up over thirty-two points a game. Also, I think Missouri wins. I think they actually went big and, and covered the spread, which is crazy because that's there's also wow. a lot of sharps on this one. So I think Mizzou wins. I think they win big. Um, I like everything you said about Mike Gundy and all that good stuff. I, I just think they, that with Drew Locke going out in this game, like his final game as a Missouri Tiger, mm-hmm. you have a couple other guys like Terry Beckner, um, you know, Emmanuel Hall, all going to be leaving after this. I think they all put up big games. I think I think Mizzou wins big. Uh, the worst name, the TaxSlayer.com Gator Bowl. Man, why can't they just leave it at TaxSlayer Bowl? It's so much better. Who, are you, so my much friend better. uses TaxSlayer. Brian Grooms uses TaxSlayer. Do you, have you used TaxSlayer? I can't say I have. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. She's a really shady guy that lives off of, uh, I think, was it, Exit 84 on Highway 20 in Covington, Georgia. Anyway, moving on. So at this at this seven-point spread, A&M's favored by seven in this one. I have this as a push, but I'm going to say that NC State covers just yeah. just to, to break the tie. Um, because, I, don't, I like I said earlier, I think both of these quarterbacks have big games. They're going against secondaries that have just been awful against the pass this year. I like the chances of Kellen Mond and Ryan Finley being able to throw the ball, throw the ball all over the place. I don't think this is quite uh, like AM's bowl game last year in the Belk Bowl, where you know they had that back and forth game with Wake Forest. But right. I think this ends up being a game that AM wins, but maybe by like six points instead of seven. Yeah, completely agree. Um, I I like I like NC State to cover. I like AM to win. Um, I mean, Jimbo Fisher wasn't he didn't have a stellar record against NC State. I think he will try to end the season on a strong note since it was obviously uh, he he exceeded expectations. I mean, NC State's not a bad team. They're nine and three. Yeah, but really did not play well after they got off to that great start. Yeah, agree really did not. Um, play also, well haven't played that. I mean, they, they went to overtime with UNC. That's not good. Not good. Not good. In football. Yeah, not basketball. Yeah, so I'll take A and M to cover. I I think this is like. I, this is just going to be me romanticizing um, New Year's Eve games. Like we talked about with, with Gary, the uh, the Peach Bowl how used, used to always be December 31st. Mm-hmm. It used to be the 7.30 game, and it would seemingly go right into the new year and be like, oh, my gosh, this is the best game ever. It's like a double overtime. I think that ends up being the same. I think it's it's a shootout. I think it ends up being like a 45-42 game. Um, up next, the ugh, ugh, ugh. Don't ugh. The Outback Bowl. Don't ugh. The Outback Bowl. Mississippi State versus Iowa should be a fun one. You want to talk about prime numbers and low-scoring games? <laughs> Good lord! Uh, I would lo- the I would love to see the prop bet on first first point scored being a safety in this one. Uh, <laughs> those though that'd be interesting. Um, I I'm I'm gonna go with uh, Mississippi State to cover in this one. Of course, I've been saying this the whole time. Iowa, the last four times that it has been to a warm weather place for a bowl, Iowa forgets what to do. It looks like an FCS team, whether it's California, whether it's Florida. Iowa does not know what to do when it crosses the border and it gets into nice weather. It's crosses like the border. it's like all of a sudden Iowa is, is just like melts away and it's like oh sun. 
beach. We we don't have to do it. We don't have to worry about football all of a sudden. And then they yeah. show up and they just get their doors blown off. I like Mississippi State's chances of winning this game by by two scores, and I think they cover a touchdown spread. I would put almost any amount of money um, that my girlfriend ha- or my fiance has uh, that Iowa doesn't score over seventeen points. I I would I would also put good mo- amount of money on on Iowa not hitting seventeen points. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think. Uh, let's see what's what's the under in this game. I think the I think forty three. Forty three. Yeah. Yeah. Put all your money on that. Uh, I like Mississippi State to win. This coffee is not sitting well with me right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I can know you can see me just just going through the, like the well putting through the paces here. Um, I like I like Mississippi State to win. I think they'll cover. I think this this might be the biggest besides the Bama game most lopsided game. In, out of all SEC really? games. Yeah, I think Mississippi State will blow them out. I don't think it's really close. Iowa, I'm, there's nothing that, that Iowa does that impresses me besides the movie Field of Dreams and corn. And I don't even like corn. It doesn't digest in your body. So um, I'll take Mississippi State big. Uh, the VRBO Citrus Bowl. Am I the only one that didn't realize that VRBO was big enough? It's like a, basically it's a fancier Airbnb. Like, am I the only one that didn't realize that that was big enough to host and sponsor a bowl game? I'll be honest. I've been getting the emails all week because I'll be covering that game, and I yeah. that, that thought didn't register once in my mind. I've used that before with... Wait, do you knew it was a big one? No, I had no idea. I never even thought about VRBO. Yeah. I mean, I've used them before when I'm like going to like 30A or something like that like for vacation, but I had no idea they were they made enough money to, to sponsor a bowl game. Anyway... They're sponsoring the Citrus Bowl in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Yeah. Favorite of any Mormon um, ever. What? Yeah, it's from Book of Mormon. You've, you've probably seen it. Really inappropriate play. I'm cultured. I go to play sometimes. Um, anyway, so it's Kentucky versus Penn State. Honestly, maybe one of the best like, and most underrated matchups. Penn State. I mean, Kentucky is still not getting any respect. Penn State, a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Penn State's covering. Penn State yeah, is covering. Penn State's too balanced offensively. I, I like what they're what they're going to be able to present from that standpoint. I, Kentucky credit to them all year that defense, like we've talked about a million times with Josh Allen and and how good they have been in shutting down teams that historically have dominated them. And yeah, I do think though that against an offense that actually has balance, can stretch the field vertically, has a very capable tailback in Miles Sanders. I think that this ends up being a game where Penn State gets up a couple scores early. And as we know with Kentucky, Kentucky is not built to come back from that kind of a deficit. I think Penn no. State wins this game by about two touchdowns. So I don't think it's going to be I – think, I think Kentucky keeps it close. I think it just means a lot more to Kentucky. I think, I think this is one of those – out of any team in the SEC going to a bowl game this year, this game means more to Kentucky than any other team. And that may sound stupid, but I don't care. I say a lot of stupid stuff. So I, I like Kentucky. I don't like them to win outright because I think, like you said, Penn State's too dynamic on offense and has too many athletes. I really like Kentucky to keep it close in this one. You got all these fancy people coming down from Happy Valley or whatever, going to come down to the angry south, have to meet Cash Daniel for the first time. You want to meet Cash Daniel? I don't. Well, or, come on, let's be honest. Orlando's not the south. I've said that many, many also times. True. There's a bubble yeah, around Orlando. It's, it's not the south. Not, Happy Valley's not like a cosmopolitan just hub yeah, it's up there. In, pretty <laughs> standard <laughs> area. It's not like that fancy or anything. But um, The PlayStation Fiesta Bowl, LSU, UCF. God, I can't wait. Don't ruin this for me. I'm excited for this. I think LSU covers. I think I come back to the belief whenever I think about, man, can UCF have a chance in this one? You know, Josh Heupel's offense, all that. I still come back to this being a backup group of five quarterback against that LSU defense. And I know, I know LSU is missing key pieces on the defensive side, being without Christian Fulton, being without Ed Alexander, 
being without Greedy Williams. These are all significant losses, but you still got Devin White. You still got Grant Elpit. You still got key players across the board who are going to be able to make game-changing plays in this one. And I just don't think that, yes, while UCF has speed, and maybe, maybe UCF speed does impress LSU a little bit. Maybe, maybe there is that factor. But I just don't see any way that UCF is lighting up the scoreboard and, and all of a sudden making this, this a track meet where they're you know trading touchdowns. I, I think LSU is able to control the clock. I think that they're able to keep UCF off the field. LSU covers, wins this game. I have 31-17 as my final. Yeah. Uh, UCF gives up 227 rushing yards a game. Nick Brissett is going to have a field day with this, this team. Yep. Um, they have a backup quarterback. I don't care who's out for for UCF. You can put Devin White and one of his horses out there, just those two. And I don't know how well horses can tackle. Probably not very good because they usually don't use their legs or arms really well in unison unless they're running. True. You know what I mean? True. So, I mean, if, maybe if you had a handoff to a horse, oh, man, that's something to think about. We should do a different pot on that. Regardless, Daisy May, uh, Devin White, I think LSU dominates this game. Obviously, I'm very biased because I hate UCF. Um, I'm going to quote Maceo. It's going to be inappropriate. It's one of my favorite rap lyrics ever. It's also a song name. It's called Host It Down. And that's all I have to say about UCF. Sit down as soon as this game's over. I don't want to hear from any of your stupid fans, any of your satellite campus fans, any of that crap, all of you coming at us on Twitter, all that good stuff. You know what I heard yesterday? I heard an actual UCF fan reached out yesterday on Twitter when I posted something about, like, man, so excited, 11 bowl games in six days. And some UCF fan reached out. He's like, and the SEC has to play teams above 500, something they're not used to. And I was like, yeah, really good point. I guess that's why there are 11 bowl teams from the SEC. <laughs> they must not have been playing in conference against any teams that had a 500 record or better. Idiots. I cannot wait till LSU destroys UCF. And if they don't, I can't wait to get off Twitter for the next six months. <laughs> Two more games. We have the All-State Sugar Bowl. Um, Texas versus UGA. Uh, I'll let you go ahead and take this one. UGA's a 13-point favorite. SEC has a lot of favorable bowl matchups. That's what you realize like going through all this. I think there's a very good chance that the SEC ends up with, I don't know, something like a 9-2 and two bowl record. I don't think that's crazy. We're, to, we're also really biased, but yeah, that's fine. Well, no, like, <laughs> I, I'm, I try and be as unbiased as possible, and I'm saying that. I think, yeah. you know, look at all these matchups that they're favored in. I, and I think that Georgia is a considerable favorite in this game for a reason. I mean, Georgia is the, well, I guess Bama's the biggest favorite overall, but Georgia's the second biggest favorite. And a lot of that ties back to what we have talked about a million times. 63 of 85 scholarship players are underclassmen. We think that cool. Georgia, despite all of this Justin Fields drama, is going to come up focused, is, is going to come to this game ready to go, and they have a lot of guys on that team with something to prove. And there's also the motivation of wanting to show the selection committee that they made a mistake. And I think that right. we'll see that with Georgia in its bowl game. I think that we're going to see that from Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. I think that those yep. two teams, I think by the end of it, it would not be surprise me if everybody is all of a sudden saying should they have made should they have made the playoff blah 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 especially especially if bama ends up beating oklahoma by a significant margin which i think could happen as well we'll get to that in a minute but i think that georgia comes up ready to go in this game jake Fromm goes off against that horrible pass defense and this ends up being another reminder that georgia is not necessarily a team that plays down to its competition they're the more talented right. team they're going to be able to win convincingly they're they're going to cover so I don't think Georgia covers, and here's why. Wow. I and and so I, I think Georgia wins outright. This game this game is solely decided on how Georgia wants it to go. If they want to come out and they want to play and they are not moping around after how devastating it was, they left out of the playoff in the SC championship game, they could boat race Texas. 
That being said, this game means more to Texas than it does to Georgia. Georgia's already established in, in year three of Kirby Smart's tenure at UGA. That's not the same uh, at all for Texas and Tom Herman. I mean, he's very well established in terms of Twitter beef and uh, Florida strip clubs, all those things, very well established. But on a national scale, this does a lot more for the Texas program going into year three for Tom Herman than it does for, for Kirby Smart. I think Georgia, they're more talented. They have more depth. They have, I mean, they are a better football team. Like you said, Texas' is, <laughs> Texas is, uh, pass secondary or pass defense is terrible. Terrible. And Georgia, it, it, that's one of the best things they've done throughout the, like, after the LSU loss and going into November. They've been able to run the ball down your throat and they've been able to have big plays in the passing game. Georgia should have a huge game on offense. I just don't know if they're going to come. I, I think it's going to take something to have to wake them up. Like where they, they get behind early, 10, 14 points, they're down early on because Texas will come out swinging. And then Georgia comes back in the second half and, and, and beats them. But and, I don't think they cover. And I think Kirby's going to be motivated for this one, too. After everybody's calling him out for the 4th and 11 stuff, I think that he's going to want to really... So many fake punts this game. <laughs> uh, let's let's close out with the game that you were oh, going to Hold on. To Do you think he'll have a fake punt? Do you think Kirby... Like, that no. would be the ultimate move. Like, that, the ultimate power move from Kirby. No. No, okay, I don't think so. I, now, do I think he could be throwing and running up the score against Tom Herman because Tom Herman is Tom Herman? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But no, I don't. I think he's going to stay away from the fake punts for a little while. All right, that's fair. Let's close out. Let's get to it. Orange Bowl. What do you got? You go first. Bama's going to win by 20 points. It's not even going to be close. I, I Like, it takes one stop. It takes one stop in the first in the first half. Kyler will put up some yards. He'll put up some numbers early. He'll, he'll, he'll be very frustrating uh, for my blood pressure and for Alabama's defense. For like third and thirteen, I think he'll have a couple of big runs where he'll break something loose and, and, and put up like I, I have a feeling this game will be a lot like that one third and twenty last year in the national championship where Sonny Michelle broke down the right sideline and had like a twenty five yard gain. You're like, how the hell did we not get off the field here? I think they'll be able to do that a little bit early. Mm-hmm. That defense is so porous and that secondary is so bad. And it has a lot less to do with them being bad as a unit mm-hmm. as much as it has something to do with the fact that, okay, you're not like Bama puts up numbers on offense, like statistically with points and big chunk plays and all that kind of stuff. And I know Oklahoma does the same, but that defense is terrible. Worst pass and defense in the country. It's terrible. And they're they're going to have to line up against Jerry Judy and Irv Smith and Devonta Smith and Henry Ruggs and Jalen Waddell. And then also out of the backfield with Damian Harris, Josh Jacobs, and Najee Harris. I, like, I know I said that same thing against against Georgia. Georgia actually has a good defense. You cannot line up against that that. That amount of talent all over the field and consistently stop them for 60 minutes. And I don't care if Kyler Murray puts up 30. He might put up 35. If he does, Bama's putting up 57 or 60. There's, I, I would bet almost anything Bama puts up 50 points minimum in this game. They might have, they might have 40 by the half. I agree with you 100% on, on everything that you just said. And, and so not to, not to, to beat a dead horse, um, we've been on the same page for this one for a while. Yeah. Just the disparity in the matchup between... Tua, even if he's not at 100% going against that Oklahoma defense, I think he has a field day. I've seen how bad they have looked all year long. But I think the interesting thing, and I dug into this a little bit for a story I did for SDS, shameless plug, was Kyler against this this Bama defense and what Bama can possibly do to slow him down. And I think that you know that I love that I love the short man and that, you know, call it a Napoleon complex if you want, whatever. I root for the short guy. I love watching guys like Drew Brees, and I, I hate it when people dismiss short quarterbacks. I'm not doing that to Kyler. Right. But I think there is a significant impact by the fact that 
you got Raquan Davis at 6'7". <laughs> You've got Isaiah Bugs at 6'5". You've got Quentin Williams at 6'3", 6'4". And you've got oh those guys God. up front that he's going to have to throw over. And I think that that's significant. And while Oklahoma did just win the Joe Moore Award for the best offensive line in college football, that is true. I think that just getting the ball and getting comfortable, I think you see a lot of deflections early on, and that prevents Kyler from getting into this, this mode that he's usually in. And if Bama is getting pressure up the middle with Quentin Williams, which there's nobody better in the country right. on the defensive line than Quentin Williams at doing just that, I think that that has a big impact and how he is able to really settle into what he does best. And he's talked about that yeah. throughout this, you know, the, leading up to this game and how they don't want to let him get into the mode that he was in in West Virginia. And I, I think this Bama defense, with that much time to prepare, is going to be too good and too and more than capable of making those plays on third down where they just get a hand up. Yeah. They just get a hand up and they get a deflection there at the line of scrimmage. And I think that ends up being a big factor and not making this game this this 55 to 51 type game. I think right. Oklahoma puts some some points. I have this I have this game as Bama winning 51 to 28. You know, and I think I think the defense the idea behind like like the strategy is going to be a lot like the 2010 Auburn game and I know it's a dated reference, but the way they tried to stop Cam was keeping him in the pocket, not letting him get outside. I think it's the same thing they try to do with Kyler. And I, I agree with you. Oklahoma's offensive line is really really good. It's probably their best unit as a whole. But again, where this is different is like Bama struggles, people say, with this type of quarterback. That's fair. Oklahoma struggles against an, an offense. <laughs> That's period. They just struggle against offense. Oklahoma's defense, and, rather. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So they, they, are, they struggle with, I mean, if you give up 40 points to Kansas, I, I just, this, this offense has so many weapons, it's, it's going to be hard for them to consistently, consistently stop them. So anyway, we'll move it on. Let's close out. It might mean too much. Ooh, we, we do have some five-star reviews to get to as well. Yeah. Um, it might mean too much. This, this was my favorite of, of the week from, from Christmas. So, so fitting. Um, Ellis Metz tweeted this out and wrote about this for, uh, for SDS. Read that on Friday. I had a lot of fire takes on this. So Ellis Metz tweets out, Christmas Eve in Oxford, Mississippi, and the new preacher from Knoxville just compared Jesus' birth to the, vols, to the vols running through the power tee. I grabbed my child and walked out. Yeah, good. So then, after um, Mets tweets later on, just in case that wasn't enough of an SEC story, he tweets, I've now apologized to my mother-in-law for the things I said about your football coach. She has graciously ended my ban from the Chick-fil-A Chick tray. Okay, so there's that. And then, just in case that wasn't enough. <laughs> so there's that. The, just in case that wasn't enough. Uh, he shared some of his replies later that he got from the original tweet from Vols fans, and one of which was, uh, enjoy hell, standard. Uh, another one from another Tennessee fan was, eat, and then a poop emoji, sincerely, Jesus. See, now that's, I don't feel like Jesus would say that. I don't either. Not even angry Jesus in the temple. That, I mean, like... Angry, vengeful Jesus. Not sweet, eight pounds, six ounce baby Jesus. Mm -hmm. I, that is, like, so, you know how, we're not going to get into religion at all. Because, like, Christmas shouldn't, but Christmas should never have, have this involved. I, Eat poop emoji? I mean. So, sincerely, Jesus? Don't speak for Jesus. You think Jesus knows how to use emojis? No way. I think he knows a ways around him. He probably does. He, yeah, does. You're right. he definitely does. Um, I, I want to know what the conversation was like with the child after when, when the child gets walked out. It's like, Dad, Dad, why did we leave? I, I picture this this little back and forth where the child's like, 
dad, like, why, why did we, why did we leave? And you know, we're, we're in the middle of church, and dad's like, I'm not going to subject you to that nonsense, whatever the usual speech. And then the kid says back to him, Well, what's wrong with saying that Jesus's birth was like Tennessee, you know, running through the power? Oh, I think the kid probably got it. And I, I think. I... <laughs> but then, then the dad says back to the kid, he's like, Well, you know, Tennessee hasn't won double-digit games in 11 years, and they just had the nation's like one of the nation's worst rushing games. So we really probably shouldn't compare that right. to the birth of our uh, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I'm just gonna just gonna throw that out there. I hope this turns into like something where like like the Ohio State Michigan rivalry, where it's like we're Michigan, like they don't put M's on campus at Ohio State. So for this, it's like no, we don't put the T in Christ anymore. So Jesus Christ. This I think that's what that's really what I hope will happen. Also, there's no this kid probably was like yes. This kid probably slipped <laughs> some of his Christmas money to the pastor to be like, hey, cut that sermon short, dude. I'm trying to go home and open at least one present before tomorrow morning. I don't want to hear this. I don't want to sing a holy night or silent night. With the candles around this time, okay? I want to go home, get a good night's rest, put some cookies and milk out. I think Mrs. Tui, um, th- this this <laughs> this fan is like Mrs. Tui. Uh, this I, I assume that this person is an Ole Miss fan living in Oxford. Maybe not. Maybe yeah. not. I have no idea. But uh, th- this this person definitely does not wear that gaudy orange. No, without no, a doubt. Not. How did we go so long in this podcast? I have no idea. We got. I'm gonna say it's my fault. Some quick five star reviews to get to. Um, this one is from Sneaker Pond. All right. Yeah. Uh, Subject to five star podcast, nothing more to say. Thumbs up emoji. Even Jesus can understand that emoji. Uh, <laughs> I like this one, Mizzou Tiger eighty nine. My favorite college ball show. Uh, love this show. Have gradually paired all my college ball podcasts down to listening to just this one. I like that they are obvious big fans, enthusiastic, informative, funny, and they seem to actually like one another, which is refreshing. Hope this show helps you guys in your careers. That was I, that was That's one of my touching. favorite ones. That was nice. That's touching. Yeah, it was. That's like rooting for us too. I like, thanks. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, this one is from Reagan Marie thirteen. Uh, subject: I listen to this every day. I listen to this pod every <laughs> night to put me to sleep, and it does a great job. But I seriously do love this pod. Thank you. Thanks, Reagan. I guess uh, <laughs> this is from Wes from the basement. It says thank you. This is my favorite. Just want to say thank you guys for always keeping me and everyone else in the know when it comes to SEC. I listen to y'all all the time. Keep up the good work. Can't wait to hear more from y'all. Go dogs. Those are all my favorite. That was my second favorite. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> thank no, you. That was cool, though. Thank you, guys. And thank you so much for all the Christmas wishes on Twitter and, and all that good stuff. Um, really appreciate it. You guys were, you guys were great. Was... I really don't. This is like the first time I've, I've ever gone, gone into the end of the year where I'm like, shoot, I really don't want this year to end. Like, it's been fun. And how do I top? 2019 is going to be tough. We're gonna have some good, uh, some good year-end stuff eventually. Maybe we'll wait till after bowl season. Because you are traveling, we don't necessarily know what our schedule next week is gonna look like. We're probably, we're, we're assuming that we're gonna still do a Monday pod. But if there's not a Monday pod, we'll tweet that out from the account. We'll update the schedule. But don't freak out if there's not. Um, this one is gonna end up being super long, so maybe you can just listen yeah. to it until Monday. <laughs> yeah. uh, but enjoy football this weekend. Um, it's gonna be awesome. We're really looking forward to it. Uh, hope you all enjoyed your Christmas. Thank you again for the kind words about the Christmas special, even though we kind of went all over the place on that. It was still uh, still fun to do that. And uh, yeah, enjoy all the bowl games this weekend, next weekend. Have a safe and happy new year. If we don't talk to you before that, if we do, we'll wish you a happy new year again on Monday. But until then, what is the most important thing that we need to remember, Uncle Chris? It might mean too much. Talk to you Monday or Tuesday or sometime next week.